The Lord be with you. I always feel like I need just a minute to get dressed when I come up to the lectern to get the mask off and the mic on, so thank you for your patience. I am so excited that you are here today, both in person and online. Welcome to this Sunday morning. Today is our first Sunday in Lent, and we have a special wilderness theme that we're going to be literally walking with Jesus through these six Sundays in Lent, looking at different stories about him and also about what it means to be in the wilderness. So very blessed to have Kate step in today uh, and to preach unexpectedly after Michaela was in the hospital for 10 days. So Kate gets a lot of kudos today. Um, I would like to walk through some announcements with you. Uh, I know that you've got a few on the screen that you've seen. Monday night Bible study is welcome to all. The Zoom link is available. Red Cross, deacons are really excited because the Red Cross does have a shortage of blood and we get to hold our own drive on March 6th. Also the book study, White Fragility, that happens every fourth Thursday. So this Thursday evening is our next uh, class on that. Also, Lisa was able to start a one-room schoolhouse a few weeks back. So if you have children or grandchildren that would like to come to church, uh, on Sunday morning. She has that available and temporarily she's in the youth hall so she can practice social distancing and allow the kids to have a fun place to be. Uh, so next Sunday after church at 12:30 is the RGPC annual meeting on Zoom. This will be the first time maybe in the history of Rosedale that we haven't eaten when we've gathered for the annual meeting. And so it will be on Zoom at 12.30. We do need a quorum, so I would ask all of you to please join us on Zoom. And it's really important that we have a quorum because my contract has gone over and I don't want to lose my job. So <laughs> kind of like the place, want to stick around some more. So, so, uh, so make sure you put the annual meeting on your calendar. Also want to give a little shout out for Kroger Community Rewards. So uh, we do a lot of shopping at Kroger, and so I've put the church on that list. And, um, and Michaela Whitlock eats a lot of food, and so does Matt. So uh, I guess I'm half of the Kroger Rewards points. <laughs> so, so I need a little help from my friends. So if you could put the church on your Kroger um, giving a percentage, it's really small. Go church, but every penny counts. Um, having said those announcements, also want to uh, add that we have some neat online groups. Uh, we have a fitness group with Dave Laycock, and he's doing videos every day. We have our Better Together at, uh, group with uh, Lisa Adams. That's for parents and grandparents for children. And then Prayers for Possible, I'm really enjoying that. That's one that I'm looking over. And so would encourage you uh, to join one of those groups. I have a really cool joy to share before I read the huddle list. So there is a magazine called Presbyterian Outlook, thousands and thousands of readership. We made the Presbyterian Outlook. I'm so excited. There's a, <laughs> Woo. I'm so excited because um, it was written by Judy Culler and Laura, and the article that goes in there every month is it highlights a Presbyterian church, and the article title is, What's Right About My Church? 
And we are listed Rosedale Gardens Presbyterian Church, Livonia, Michigan. And it's an amazing article, so I will make sure that it goes out by email blast this week and we'll put it on social media. <clears throat> and it really talks about uh, our mission station congregation and the mission that we do with military, first responders, blessing bags, all kinds of neat things. And it only had to be a 150 word story, which is why Judy wrote it and I did not, and Laura edited it. So. Uh, God bless both those women. It's so exciting. First time ever we've been in there. I take you now to the prayer list that's in your bulletin. I want to highlight a few folks for you to continue praying for. Barry Blummel, who had hernia surgery this past week, is, re is home recovering. You've heard a lot about Jerry Gibbons and Bill McIntyre, so both of them are now in rehabilitation, uh, gaining strength from their surgeries. Uh, Eldon Plew is gonna have a scheduled second procedure early this week to activate his pacemaker. <clears throat> and then Michaela, my daughter, spent 10 days at Mott's Hospital. Three issues is what they got it down to. So we now uh, have one issue left to deal with, it, which is her muscles have grown very deconditioned from not being in school for a year, so she's still not walking um, on her own at all. So she received physical therapy the second half of the hospital stay. So now we are anticipating probably twice a week at least of physical therapy in the ongoing week. So we like to call her our baby in the house, but she's a 125 pound baby. So we're getting pretty creative on how to help her walk. So perhaps prayers for the old mom and dad and caregivers uh, as well. So thank you to all of you who stayed with us through Facebook updates. It was, a, it was a pretty rough go for her with multiple issues, a lot of pain. So it's nice to see her in far less pain going the right direction. So thank you all so very much for hanging with us and praying for us. I, I can't express what it means to be a minister in this place and to be so ministered to by the people and the friends of this congregation. So. Thank you so much. Our families of the week that we're um, watching over are the Binghams, Forays, Skiba, and Vale families. And then this is a name that many of you know from days gone by, Doc Pithman, or Pythman, Pythman. And so Doc and Joe and their family were extremely active for a long time in the life of Rosedale. He recently has encountered ill health, he was placed on hospice, and we did receive word this week that he did pass away. He has two daughters, and so we have um, listed in our huddle book, which is in the church office, the address of his two daughters, if you would like to send cards to that family. So we wanna remember Doc today and his family. This concludes our announcements for today. Now let us worship God.
please stand as you are able and join me in this morning's call to worship. You will find your response in your bulletin if you are worshiping with us online. Your responses will be on the screen. This journey of 40 days must first begin with one step. Yet Jesus calls us, come follow me. I've been here before, and I know the way. Just take his hand. You are not alone. creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. Trusting in God's grace, let us pray together our prayer of confession. Amazing Jesus, you spent 40 days alone 
Please know this, God has heard your prayer, and he delights in you. Rest assured this day and through his grace, he has forgiven you simply because he loves you. Hear now God's word for you today. Be careful to follow every command I am giving you today, so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised an oath to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years, to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out, and your feet did not swell during these forty years. No, then in your heart that this man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in the obedi obedience to him and revering him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
The sun was finally beginning to rise over the ridge in the distance. The rocky limestone landscape accepted the sun's rays like a canvas soaks up oil paint, leaving streaks of burnt umber, orange, ochre, and gold along its face. Shadows from the rocky outcroppings broke up the strokes like a swiftly moving cloud briefly blocks the sun on its journey to the horizon. It had been another cold night in the Judean desert with temperatures falling into the 40s. But the cloudless sky above promised temps in the 80s once the sun reached its zenith. Jesus had not slept well. Even though he was mentally and physically exhausted, moments of sleep were fleeting as he struggled to keep warm, huddled in the cleft of a rock which offered slight protection from the desert wind. Biting and buzzing bugs offered additional disturbance to the restlessness of the night. So the rising sun was a welcome sight, yet the daylight didn't offer much comfort to his current state either. It had been well over a month since he first entered the wilderness and the effects of starvation were starting to take its toll. Jesus had headed off to a nearby stream to wash his face and to take a long, cool, long drink of its cool waters, his only source of sustenance. The pit in his stomach from lack of food was no longer painful, and though his body needed the water, he felt pangs of nausea with its intrusion. His headache, which began a week into his journey, was persistent and only made worse by the glaring sun. His lips were cracked and bleeding, and his arms and legs felt like a thousand pounds as his malnourished muscles slowly atrophied and became sore. His steps were labored and cautious as, he's, as he now made his way up from the riverbed to a place in the shade from the ever-warming sun. Once finding a spot in the shade of a ridge, Jesus dropped down on the ground, spent from his brief journey and dropped his head into his hands as he struggled to begin his morning prayers. But the words just wouldn't come, nor was there motivation to find them. The lack of nutrition had now begun to affect his brain. His concentration was impaired. Like any starving human being, Jesus was anxious, irritable, and apathetic. He was beginning to have intense, negative emotional reactions, and his alertness was compromised. Lack of food, lack of sleep, and exposure to the elements were now ruling his disposition. It felt like it was just yesterday, but then again, it also felt like a hundred years ago that Jesus had the amazing experience of being baptized by his cousin John in the Jordan River and then blessed by his Father in heaven and receiving his ordination. Yet before he could begin his earthly ministry, he had to do this first. Jesus tried to keep his mind focused on that great day as a way to escape from the pain and the discomfort and misery that he was now experiencing. But it was almost impossible to focus on any one thing. 
as Jesus struggled to concentrate on his conversation with his father, it took a few moments before he realized that he was no longer alone. He knew this moment was going to come. He just didn't know when. After all, this was the whole reason that he was out here. This was the whole reason that the Holy Spirit had led him out into the wilderness to begin with, to face the devil himself. And so it began. And this is where we pick up our reading. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, People do not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike a foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So this story from Jesus's life is a traditional jumping off place for Christians heading into a time of Lent, the 40 days that lead up to Easter. For the next five weeks, we will be taking a journey with Jesus and taking a look at some of those moments in his ministry where the impossible was made possible. And so today we start right here at the outset of his three-year ministry and the story of him spending 40 days in the wilderness and his temptation from the devil. Personally, when I take a look at this story, I see a lot of impossible. First of all, as much as I love the wilderness and being outdoors, 40 days of that seems a little excessive and unpleasant to me. Then, to go 40 days without food on top of it makes it even more impossible to fathom. But the truth of the matter is, neither is impossible, not even going 40 days without food. Of course, the body and the brain experience many physiological and psychological side effects, but it isn't necessarily life-threatening. And there is reason for us to believe Jesus did, did experience them. After all, we believe Jesus to be fully human. Thus, there is no doubt that
that he was in rough shape at the end of 40 days. And because of this, Jesus being fully human is just one of the hundreds of things that make him so attractive and worthy of our worship and devotion and discipleship. As God, he chose to enter into the human experience and all that that would entail, pain, suffering, isolation, thirst, hunger, cold, heat, temptation, betrayal, denial, you name it. If you've experienced it, rest assured, so has he. Then there is the seemingly impossible task of deflecting the advances of the devil, the temptations of the tempter himself, all made even more difficult for Jesus considering the mental and the physical state he was in when all of this was happening. Remember, some of the mental side effects of starvation include impaired judgment, difficulty concentrating, lack of problem-solving skills and comprehension, decreased enthusiasm, reduced emotion, apathy, and reduced alertness. All of these issues, all while facing the devil. Now just imagine for a moment the seemingly impossible task of turning down the offer of food after having gone nearly 40 days without. Many of us have a hard time turning down dessert at the end of dinner, even when we're full. Coupled with his deep, persistent hunger, the likes of which most of us have never known, thanks be to God, the devil also taunts Jesus with these words, if you are the son of God. In other words, taunting Jesus to prove his divinity right then and there with the simple miracle of turning stone into stomach-filling bread. In all reality, I'm sure Jesus didn't need the suggestion of the devil to turn stones into bread. I would imagine long before day 40 that that thought had already crossed his mind. And after all, yes, he absolutely had the power to do so. And who would know? right? He's all alone in the desert. Why not go ahead and just grab a snack? But there was something deeper at play for Jesus, some other motivation that was stronger than that growl in his stomach, and that was the love in his heart. The love for all humanity, for me and for you, and this deep understanding of what he needed to do to accomplish in his lifetime. And that was the redemption of all creation back to himself and to God. That love, that desire overshadowed the physical need for sustenance, sustenance that is only fleeting and would need to be attended to again. Turning stone into bread may be a miracle that does prove his divinity, but turning stone into bread in that moment would have been nothing more than a selfish act on Jesus' part, an act that is incapable of saving souls. And saving souls was Jesus' only interest. Next, the devil leads Jesus up a high mountain and shows him all the kingdoms of the world and offers it to him. If only Jesus would worship him. 
Now, this may be difficult for us to wrap our heads around, especially if we have that understanding that all of creation belongs to God in the first place. So how is it that the devil is offering something to Jesus that is already his? We do know that Jesus has said that his kingdom is not of this world, and there is a proposed theology that hell is on earth, thus being the devil's domain. But what the devil is really doing here is offering Jesus an easy way out. He is tempting Jesus from the need to have to go to the cross at all. To rule the world as it is without suffering on behalf of its sinful people. Jesus was quite certain that we can never defeat evil by compromising with evil. He made it quite clear that the Christian faith does not compromise. Christianity cannot stoop to the level of the world. It must lift the world to its own level. Nothing less will do. Jesus decided that there could be no compromise in the life he lived, in the message he preached, in the faith he demanded, and in the example that he set. That choice inevitably meant the cross, but the cross just as inevitably met final victory. This temptation offered by the devil is an easy shortcut to world dominion. Yet without the cross, sin would remain and love would not rule the day. And Jesus knew this, so he was unwilling to compromise. The road to the cross would be the only route that he would take. And finally, the devil takes Jesus to Jerusalem and stands him on the highest point of the temple and once again taunts him with these words, If you are the Son of God. Even the devil knows scripture, and he said it, and he used it as part of his argument towards his temptation of Jesus. If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written in the scriptures that God will command his angels concerning you. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike a foot against a stone. Now the temple in Jerusalem was built on top of Mount Zion. The top of the mountain was leveled into a plateau, and on that plateau, the whole area of the temple building stood. The top of, um, there was one corner, at which Solomon's porch and the royal porch, these are places within the temple, met. And at that corner, there was a sheer drop of 450 feet into the Kidron Valley. Why should Jesus not stand on that pinnacle and leap down and land unharmed in the valley beneath? After all, the temple was always a very busy place with hundreds to thousands of people always milling about it was the centerpiece of the city of Jerusalem itself and the gathering place for God's people. Just imagine the spectacle that would have been created if Jesus would have leapt from its peak and landed safely among them. People would have instantly recognized his divinity and instantly become believers. Yet again, such a magical act on Jesus' part would not have accomplished the mission of his life to bring salvation to all people. 
It would have been a momentary act of wonder. Though granted a story that would have been passed on for generations, yet an act that would ultimately be empty in its fulfillment. Like eating bread momentarily subsides hunger, yet that hunger will again return. The very faith dependent on signs and wonders and magic is not faith. If faith cannot believe without sensational actions, it is not really faith. It is doubt looking for proof and looking in the wrong place. God's rescuing power is not something to be played and experimented with. It is something to be quietly trusted in everyday life. And through the act of trust, our understanding of God grows and our faith becomes deep and abiding, deep enough to sustain us through all of the wilderness travels of our lives. Present-day theologian N.T. Wright says this, We are unlikely to be tempted in exactly the same way as Jesus was, but every Christian will be tested at the points which matter most in his or her life or vocation. It is a central part of Christian vocation to learn to recognize the voices that whisper attractive lies, to distinguish them from the voice of God, and to use the simple but direct weapons provided in Scripture to rebut the lies with truth. Temptations will forever and always be a part of life, and as Christians, How we choose to confront them will define who we are. My friends, in one of Jesus' most vulnerable moments of his life, when his physical strength was waning and his mental acumen was probably sketchy at best, he knew exactly where to turn. And that was to the scripture and to the words of God to be his source of strength and to provide him with the power he needed to do the impossible, to fend off the temptations of the devil himself. He absolutely had the resources of his divinity at his disposal at that moment to perform miracles and magic for his own gain. Yet he chose the resource that is also available to us, the scriptures. And in so doing, he did not compromise for a second his mission and his purpose. What an amazing Savior we have. What an amazing example that Jesus is to us. There is nothing he cannot do. There is nothing impossible for him, yet he still chooses resources available to us as the route to possible, to show us that we too can do what seems impossible, yet made possible by his example. And thanks be to God. Amen.
Indeed, brothers and sisters, in Christ, our hearts are filled with thankfulness that Jesus has called us to be his disciples and that there's nothing he wouldn't do to love us, to be in relationship with us, and to grant us life in this life and in his kingdom. We have much reason to be grateful today and part of discipleship is giving a lot of ourselves in a variety of ways. And one of those ways is offering up to God the gifts of our life and labor. So as we prepare to receive our morning offering, know that you can do that in a variety of ways, from text to give to online for those here in our offering boxes. But know especially that whatever amount you give, it will go to the ministry of this congregation. It will also go to ministries beyond this congregation that serve people in a variety of ways. For truly we are blessed because together we can affect positive change for those within our congregation and those throughout the world. Let us now receive our morning offering.
seated. Let us turn now to God in prayer. Let us pray. Oh Lord, our hearts are filled with gratitude. The words of our special music just reaching out to us, reminding us that we have so much to be thankful for, especially in the sending of your son. So we ask that you would take the offerings of our life and labor and that you would multiply them, sending them out to those places and people who need the most. For God of this first Sunday in Lent, thank you for the transforming gift of salvation, our light, our love, our Messiah, who we now join in this wilderness road as we now continue on this 40-day journey with him that will lead us to Easter hope and resurrection. Jesus of the desert, full of the Holy Spirit, for 40 long days with no food or rest, alone, tempted by Satan, you were with us then as you are now. Jesus, so human, you entered into our humanity as the Son of God and chose to be human because you love us, for you are worthy of our worship and praise, and we rest in you, knowing that whatever hardships we endure, however long we feel we're lost in the wilderness or under the desert heat, for we know because you have already gone before us that you are with us and there is nothing we can experience that you haven't. Lord Jesus, tempted by food, after being so hungry, no compromise to the love you have for us, for our creation, for humanity, not turning to bread. You knew that it would leave us hungry all our days. You withstood the temptation, showing us sacrificial love, showing us your great love for us that helps us when we too are tempted by shortcuts as we first think it would just be easier perhaps if we did some of that or some of that. We know, Lord Jesus, that to take shortcuts only leaves us coming up short. For if you would have done so, we would not be here today. We would not be given the gift of life, of your love, of purpose and meaning. Jesus, who would not compromise, we give you thanks. Jesus, standing in the temple in Jerusalem, 400 feet above the ground, how easy it would have been to just jump. For all those there would have experienced your wonder, would have known that you were something from God, and yet you knew in your wisdom that that would have only left empty after the experience had gone by. Experiencing those high top experiences and those low valley experiences with us, you teach us that our life belongs in journey with you 
every faithful step. Despite all temptations from Satan, Jesus, you knew the power of scripture, that nothing is impossible for you, now showing us that nothing is impossible for us as we rest on your promises in your word and trust that you too have filled us with your Holy Spirit. Awesome Jesus, you are our great physician. And we pray for all those on our prayer list today, for Barry and Jerry, for Bill and Eldon, for Michaela, for the Doc Pythman family. We pray for the Binghams and the Forys and the Skiba and the Vales. We pray for our extended circle of family and friends. And we pray too for Texas and all that they are going through. May you bless those who go to serve and to help. May you restore them. We ask, Lord God, today that you would continue to guide us to follow you, to follow in your footsteps, and to realize that you are our sure foundation. And as we walk in the sands of this life, help us to know that when we see only one footprint, that it's yours. Thank you for carrying us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for loving us just as we are and calling us to be all that you have created us to be. We give you thanks and praise with our hearts filled with joy. For we pray all these things in the name of your son, Jesus, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Dear, so sweet to trust in Jesus Just to take Him at His word Just to rest upon His promise Just to know, thus saith the Lord How I trust Him, how I've proved 
Jesus. Oh, for grace to trust Him more. Yes, dear sweet, to trust in Jesus. Just from sin and self to see. Just from Jesus simply taking Life and rest and joy and peace Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him How I've proved Him more and more Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus Savior, who was not willing to compromise his mission by the use of magic and miracles, but simply relied on the words of Scripture, the, the words of God, tools and resources available to us to make the impossible seem possible. So now, my friends, may the grace of God, the love of Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit go with each and every one of you this day in all days. Alleluia. Amen.
sorry tonight.